It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858. This is the Blackburns Show with Kirsty Stanway, celebrating all things women's rugby on SENZ. For ticket info, head to blackburns.com and catch all the action this season. This is how you play rugby. Like a Blackburn, let's go! Welcome into the Blackburn Show. I'm Kirsty Stanway. And as we've done every fortnight leading up to the Rugby World Cup tonight, we celebrate once again. We are so close to the party starting and we cannot wait here. It is such an honour to be with you uh, today. And thank you so much for listening and for supporting our wahine, for supporting women's rugby. Uh, this is just going to be huge. The countdown continues. We have five more sleeps to the big finale, the big opener at Eden Park, the triple header this weekend. And then we've got another three games on Sunday in Whangarei. Coming up on the show today, it is huge. We have the tournament director and the trophy uh, in studio. Michelle Hooper, we'll get to her very, very shortly. We've got a segment with Spark Sport broadcaster, commentator, former Blackfern, Les Alder coming on the programme as well to officially preview the tournaments, what to expect from these teams, uh, what we can expect from Wayne Smith's first side that will be named later on in the week. And we go inside the Blackburns environment with Stacey Flula. Uh, and we've got a little history lesson for you too. But now it is time to introduce. I- I'm so lucky that we've been able to get her in studio because she's such a busy woman uh, and she's done a phenomenal job organising this tournament. Michelle Hooper, 12 teams are in New Zealand. We've got 26 games over the next six weeks. It's the first World Cup in New Zealand for women, the first in the Southern Hemisphere. How are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, well, just elated, really. Yeah. I mean, I think we've, um, you know, women's rugby has been waiting for this moment for its lifetime, I feel. You know, this is, um, we've taken on the bid to supercharge women's rugby. I think, you know, the, the numbers speak for itself in terms of attendance. We've got 35,000 tickets snapped up for the opening match day already. And, uh, you know, we are just taking women's rugby out of the um, out of the shadows and into the spotlight and, and bring on Saturday the 8th of October at Eden Park. It's going to be a momentous occasion. After such long build-up to this tournament, of course, uh, the delay a year due to COVID. Can you believe that this moment is finally here? We're so close to it now. We've had the official welcome. The teams are all here in New Zealand. Can you believe it? I'm, I can believe it because it's been a long time coming and yeah. I think, you know, we've done, we've been through so many iterations of so many different things that, um, but the best part is it's just continued to get better and better this year. Uh, I think, you know, the the 
postponement, which happened a year ago, was, you know, it was a horrible moment really for everybody. You know, you, our hearts went out to the athletes. I, yeah. I, you know, high performance athletes and what they go through is what drives me and a lot of my working ethic and and knowing that they were going through pain because that had been postponed was really hard. But I also knew that w- we could do a better job, you know, if we had more time and we had less, you know, more understanding of the pandemic and things. So what's happened recently with all the, you know, restrictions coming off and, you know, crowds coming back out to watch sport and, uh, you know, New Zealanders getting excited about what's coming up. And, you know, we just had daylight savings. So there's so many things that are going in our favour for it to be a, a great event. And um, this morning we had the most incredible team welcome ceremony. So uh, it was meant to be an outdoor event. Uh, but on Friday, the decision was made to take it indoors because we were just the weather uncertainty, which is trademark New Zealand right now, isn't it? Um, very Auckland. Very Auckland. <laughs> very Auckland. Yeah. yeah, I've got my bespoke pair of gumboots that I wear everywhere. <laughs> um, so Sky City Theatre, all 12 teams in that one venue at the same time. And, you know, for a Rugby World Cup, and I've worked on, um, this is my fourth Rugby World Cup, first in the women's game. And it's really unusual to have all teams in one room at the same time. So the energy in that room, and I said to people, wow, just filled my bucket completely because it's like it was a snapshot of what the next six weeks hold. And it was, you know, at a great showcase of Maori and Pacifica culture, um, you know, the Manakitanga of New Zealand and the welcoming to those 12 teams, the respective welcomes of each of the teams and the language and the um, the colour and the vibrancy that the women's players bring to rugby. Uh, and it was all on display in that room. It was like oh, what New Zealanders are about to be treated to is just next level. I'm so pleased that we've got you on. You seem like you're so passionate about this game. You seem so happy and your energy is like you're exuding it on me and I feel like I'm so excited and I'm so ready to go as well. Um, Let's first talk about that 35,000, so close to a sellout. It will be a world record. Can you tell us more about the Guinness World Record? And for those of us going along, what can we expect on game day? This will be a very unique experience uh, because it's the first time. Well, I started this job in February 2020, and when we first got it, the, the venue was was Waitakere Stadium, and at 5,000 people, that was where the opening game was going to be held. And um, you know, no disrespect to Waitakere Stadium or 5,000 people, but we were like, well, if we're going to supercharge it, we need to take it to Eden Park. You know, the women's game needs to be on the arguably the best um, rugby stadium in the world. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were like, we got, that took the first six months to get that change underway and confirmed, and then we're like, okay, now we've got some quite ambitious kind of. Um, revenue targets that we need to hit so we need to get some good crowds that was more around the 25,000 mark and then we looked up the history of the women's game we're like wow crikey if we're aiming for 25,000 attendants at Eden Park um, what's the world record in terms of Rugby World Cup history? So we went back through the back blocks with um, with World Rugby and they said, oh, 20,000 is our record for an, a Rugby World Cup, Women's Rugby World Cup match. So we're like, oh, whoa, well, let's go for a world record. So for Rugby World Cup. And then we we're like, well, let's just try and sell out Eden Park because we don't want a half full stadium. You know, we want a full stadium. I love it. Yeah, so it was a vision, you know, and then, then and then we just continually talked that, you know, that's the vision board, that's the that's the feeling, that's the essence. And, and we're like, why can't we do it? It's done every other week for the All Blacks in terms of sellouts. So, you know, why can I wahini tower of rugby when they've won the fight, the Rugby World Cup five times offshore, first home Rugby World Cup um, potential defence? You know, why can't New Zealanders want this moment too? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we have just pitched it that way the whole time and there's been so much great goodwill and so many people have got on board with that. And I think there's just this wonderful movement for women's sport globally and, and people have been able to see that as well. There's just so many things that have kind of added to the wave and the momentum. So when people come along on, um, on Saturday when it starts, 
minutes. So the opening match day kickoff, uh, you know, it's triple header match day. So that's mm. three games of 15s rugby back to back, which is quite unusual. An absolute bargain, though. <laughs> a total bargain. <laughs> Don't get me started on the bargain. It is such a bargain. I keep looking at it and I'm like, wow, you're getting bang for your buck here. Yeah, you can't. We don't want an empty set. It's just that we can't afford for no one not to sit in a seat because yeah. it's such good value. So $5 for a child's ticket and from as little as well, Eden Park, it's $20 for an adult's ticket. Um, but from Whangarei and Waitakere Stadium, it's $10 for an adult's ticket from $10. So really great, great, great value. And not only that, you know, you've got, it's kind of like a taste of Pacifica, a, um, you know, three incredible high performance rugby you know, the world's best athletes on display. Plus, we just thought we'd just throw in there, you know, pop icon, British pop icon, um, Rita Ora headlining at Eden Park. Uh, we've got Shapeshifter for the semi-final. We've got um, Benny for the final. And we just announced Lady Six, who I love, which is going to be so cool up in Whangarei for that opening match day on the 9th of um, October up in Whangarei. So it's a star-studded lineup, And the energy, what we talked about in the room today, you know, the the... the Women's rugby is like a great sense of celebration, great camaraderie, warmth, araha. You know, they're, they're victorious, but they're, they're, they support each other and it's mm. kind of a really nurturing, loving environment and heaps of, like, warmth and, and vibrancy. And I think our match days are going to exude that as well. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, you know, they're incredibly competitive and incredibly physical and they play incredibly exciting rugby. Um, but when you table that also with the warmth and the, um, the charisma of the players, it's just like that's what our match days are going to emulate. So people are going to come and have this really incredible incredible once-in-a-lifetime experience. So Rita Ora, you mentioned these superstars. There's literally superstars on the field, like the Porsche Woodmans of the world, and then you've got them off the field as well, or will be centre of the field, shall we say. How did you go about getting a, a global superstar like Rita Ora, who's never played in New Zealand, <laughs> let alone headlining this event? Uh, I, look, I'd have, look, that story's just going to take too long. So, um, But I think that, you know, New Zealand, it's two degrees of separation. Uh, everybody wants us to be successful. You know, they want this to be brilliant. Uh, so there's been so much goodwill. And I think, you know, obviously Rita's connections with Taika Waititi and has a real passion for, um, you know, for um, enhanced values of, of women and, and um, you know, and strengthening um, mana wahine. And so she was really happy to put herself towards that. And uh, which was really difficult. We've been trying to find a headline act since the middle of last year. And we've had many discussions with many artists. And it, it's really difficult because their schedules are so... Uh, I've learned more about the music industry in my life. And I, trust me, I don't want to work in music <laughs> I was after that. Say. <laughs> Keep me in sport. Much straight, <laughs> more straightforward. Yeah, yeah. But I admire them. I just think yeah. it's really complicated. And actually what they put on is not simple. So um, yeah, we're taking my head off to her saying yes and um, you know we want her to have a fabulous time too. So what you're doing um, to me seems very forward thinking for sporting events in New Zealand. It seems like you're doing things differently. As a tournament director do you look at events that you like across the world? Where do you find your inspiration? Um, you know why did you decide to go with this route? Yeah, it's, it's actually interesting. We've got so many fantastic people working in our team and everyone, I think, creating a space where people could bring their ideas to the table and then we just, like, get all creative together and just kind of spout off what we think would be cool. And then we were lucky that we had really good rapport, working relationship with World Rugby, and we said, oh, we'd really like to try this and this and this. And they were like, oh, yep, okay. And then, and then we're like, well, 
you know, we you can trust us to do it. And they, they want to try new things, but they also want to try new things with people that they trust. So I think we're really lucky that World Rugby and New Zealand Rugby have a really strong relationship. And, uh, you know, they wanted to... So even the stage for Rita Ora, it's not on the field of play. The stage is being built in the grandstand. So she's going to be performing in the grandstand. So I'm not sure... I don't know that people actually know that. We don't really talk about that much, but but it is like that's a really exciting thing is that wow. she's not actually going to be on the field. So um, that itself is... Um, and we kind of thought of it, our um, fantastic events manager describes it as originally it was kind of like Sevens meets um, Warriors kind of love child, but I think it's developed into so much more glamorous than that now and really, <laughs> but it was just trying to be creative and, and try new things and be really appealing to our audience and families and, and females and um, just being entertaining. That's a great way to describe it, though, because we often um, on the radio station talk about what the best sporting environments are in the world. The Seventh Circuit is like this fun party, which is the kind of vibe that it feels like we're going to get. And yep. the Warriors is the best game day experience in New Zealand currently. Yes. So that seems like the perfect match. And Love we're going to get even more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And also family friendly. Like, you know, loads of us that work here are mothers. You know, yeah. we all love going to sport, but we know the challenges when yeah. you take your kids to sport. So we've got a kids zone. We've got um, the Fiesta Lounge with Dr. Farah Palmer, biggest hospitality lounge on, on the um, at Eden Park. And it's a family friendly one. So you can bring your kids um, that sold out actually it was sold out pretty quickly so wow. um, and it's a really big lounge but you're offering them people something where they feel comfortable you know and it's like uh, it's really nice just to be able to mix up the products and bring something different and be able to um, I guess have that confidence that you can play with things a little bit and um, people want to try it which is it's great. You speak about challenges um, what does it actually take to create a world cup tournament you know I, I know that's a really broad question and you've got this big team behind you but where do you even start and, and what is it that you do that we just don't see because I'm sure there's just so much so many hours and years that have gone on behind the scenes yeah it's really hard to explain but I, I guess uh, yeah I'm, I'm really big on the vision you know and you start with the vision yeah. and then you get people on board with the vision and then you work out how to make it happen so never don't worry about the we can't afford it or that's not going to happen we're Kiwis you know number eight wire thinking is our DNA uh, it's like we come up with a plan and then we work out how to make it happen and once you get people you sell people into the vision everyone wants to do something it's one of the most fabulous things about working in New Zealand I spent two and a half years going back and forth to Japan to work on the Rugby World Cup up in Japan um, with World Rugby and the Japanese Organising Committee and I loved the experience, but boy, everything is just so much about dollars and cents, you know, and you have to pay people and there's just not that kind of expectation that someone will help you. And I couldn't wait to get back to New Zealand and pick up the phone and say, hey, mate, can you do us a favour? Because that's literally how most conversations start and, yeah. oh, we're struggling, can someone jump in here? Um, and that's the beauty of Kiwis. You know, we turn things around on a dime. We can see a vision and go for it. And, uh, you know, I think this Rugby World Cup is definitely going to showcase that. For you, um, you've mentioned the fact that you've been a part of a number of World Cup campaigns. First, obviously, uh, women's here in New Zealand. Um, What is your background? (laughs) Tournament director, how did you get into this industry? I've been asked this a few times, but I think my my main number one thing is that I... um, I used to want to be a vet, which was random. But when I was 16, my horse got injured and I couldn't. I worked out I couldn't fix it. And so I had to stop believing that that was what I was going to be. And then I went to the um, the America's Cup Welcome Home Parade in um, Queen Street and I had my red socks on and I watched it and I was like, it was just every electro- electron on my body went off and I was just like, I want to be part of that. That's me. You know, it was that moment of, I think, patriotism and just seeing yeah. something great that, you know, New Zealanders have brought something home that we could all celebrate. So I think anything which is about, you know, pride to our country and doing something that's new and exciting and that 
global connection of showcasing New Zealand as being great on the world stage really appeals. And also I think what I love about the women's game and women's rugby is that we just, these um, the legacy of the black jersey is so phenomenal. It is just so an untold story, the Black Ferns story. And that we could just do them justice by hosting an incredible Rugby World Cup and being that turning point because New Zealand has been, you know, um, leaders for, you know, women's, the suffragette movement, leading getting the woman getting the right to vote, you know, we can change and we can influence people. So, you know, it only seems right that through rugby and through women's rugby, we make help turn the tide mm. of how people perceive women's sport. Uh, and they have got such a great um, treat in store because the next, you know, 10 Rugby World Cup match days, it's going to showcase the best of women's rugby. And you know that um, people haven't had necessarily an experience with women's rugby, which they're about to get, and you know they're going to fall in love with it. It was a little bit like the um, Cricket World Cup. You know, we were watching the women's cricket teams and everyone was talking about it. You know, not that everyone could get to the games because of the COVID restrictions. But people were definitely watching it on TV. And I hear it a lot in this industry. It's more like it's not a lack of supply for women's sport. It's, it's a, um, no, not a lack of demand. demand. It's a lack of supply. Yeah. So it's all about that visibility. So you've had a very um, unique perspective over the last couple of years in your role because you have literally been there and seen the change from uh, non-professionalism yep. with the women's game to now semi-professionalism and full-time contracts for these ladies this year. I'm sure you've spoken to a lot of legends that uh, have created this legacy for the Black Ferns. So um, what has that been like? What have you seen? What have you heard? What have you felt? I, I, I um, And I sense it from other things too. It's like it's hard when you're the people that trailblazed and didn't get the recognition. And I think that's one thing I really feel for what we're trying to do is we want to give them recognition as well. It's like this is the legacy of so many, you know, you're standing on these great sh- shoulders of, you know, um, incredible women that yeah. have trailblazed. And the, that what is being developed for the future generations is going to make their efforts worthwhile. So it's, it's massively about recognition and, and recognising people that have gone before. And I know the Black Ferns feel that as well and, and we all feel that. And But it's all, it has to be better. You know, it's like it can't, we always just take what you've given now and then work to make it better. You can't. And I've got, I learnt, just watched the Ted Lasso. Um, love uh, it. Oh I love it. But the most favourite thing on there, and it was such good timing, was the goldfish memory. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah that happened, just let it go. You know, you learn from it, move on. And I think it came at the right time because if you just don't let it go, if you don't let it take the lesson and let it go, it could just bring you down forever. But it's just like, don't worry, it happened, but just move on. Just celebrate the now and just learn from it and, and make it better. So massively focused on making it better and, and that, you know, that those commitments and pledges that World Rugby made today in the press conference and New Zealand Rugby is making in terms of the pathways in the future, it's looking really bright. So mm-hmm. that's what we need to just hone in on and also supporting the people in those key roles to be successful. Uh, I think New Zealand is very, um, you know, top the tool poppy and and want to be critical, but we've yeah. just got to let that go and just you know try to be supportive and make it better together. Because um, I think I hate wasting time on negative energy, so stop doing that and just build better bridges. I could talk to you all day, but um, such is the way that our time is literally diminishing and we've got about 20 seconds before we have to go and uh, pay for the show. But just finally, um, what are you most proud of that you and your team have managed to do in the last few years? Just build a platform for the world's best rugby players to come here and play the best rugby World Cup that they will ever experience. And I want to, we've got 
10 match days to go to prove that that's what we've done. But I, I believe that we've set up for success. So, um, you know, I just want to thank all of my team. I want to thank all of the legends of the game, women's rugby, for everything they've created in this opportunity. And we really just want to make all of them really proud of what's about to be turned on. Michelle Hofer, someone should be saying thank you to you. So thank you so much. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for everything that you have done. And we're going to see that play out beautifully in the coming weeks. Tournament director for the Rugby World Cup 2021 played in 2022. Let's dare to believe like a black fern. There are still tickets available and we're counting down the days now. Just five sleeps to go until the World Cup right here on our shores in Aotearoa. Visit theblackferns.com to get some tickets and catch all the action for the season to come. We're so lucky to be joined by, and I know I'm not supposed to have favourites, but I do, and she's amazing. You're going to absolutely love her. She hails from Ruatoki in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. She's so proud of it. Uh, She's a Rugby World Cup winner a Sevens World Cup winner, a Commonwealth Games gold medalist and Olympic champion as well. Stacey Flula, thank you so much for your time. How are you? Are you smiling? You're always smiling. Oh, always smiling, Kirsch. You know I mean? Just loving life. But thank you for the beautiful intro. Just thought I'd um, add in there that we're actually um, about to get ready for training and we usually have like a the scheduled nap time. So... <laughs> You know, I'm privileged to just skip that and and have a talk with you guys. Well, thank you so much for skipping your nap time. It is a massive (laughs) week uh, for you. You've been at the official welcome today. What was that like? Is it now starting to feel real that we have a World Cup right here in Aotearoa? Oh, 100%. We've been in camp for two weeks already and it already feels like it's flown by. Um, But to be here, to be at the opening... Um, for this World Cup. It was real cool to see all the other countries. You know, we know they've been here, but we haven't actually seen them. So it was nice to catch up with some of them, especially some of the seven skills that we regularly see on the world stage. Um, but what a welcoming. So many cool people. Um, a great performance by by a couple of our, um, you know, Māori, Māori and Pacifica people. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously welcome for this amazing event ahead. You mentioned the seven side of things. How's it been for you and a couple of the other girls that have come in uh, after being part of these sevens environment this year, obviously Commonwealth Games uh, and the World Cup as well. What's the last couple of weeks been like? Has it been refreshing? Has it been a new challenge? What's it been like for you? Probably a bit of both. And i got to be honest, I've never worked on this Smithy and Ted and Mike Cron, so it's been really cool getting to know them, obviously the legends of the game. Um, but all our game plan and everything is quite new, so... Just been trying to take in as much as I can, um, new game plan, um, just new cause or whatever. Since I've, I, like, I, I was talking to stuff the other day and I feel like a newbie in the team again, which has been <laughs> so cool because everyone's like have been helping out and making sure we're up to scratch. So real refreshing, obviously coming into into 15s from 7s um, and a good challenge trying to learn everything in such a short space of time. So you're in. You've been in camp for a couple of weeks, and you're together for probably the longest that this team <laughs> and teammates have ever been together for. Um, how how does that work? Who are you rooming with? Do you have the same person right the way through? <laughs> yeah, it is quite a lot of time. Eight weeks all up, I think I counted. Uh, we actually we stay stay in four different hotels, which means um, our manager has um, been switching us around, which is all good. Um, actually, with three at the moment, so what are the chances I see her every day, every other day of the week? Um, but are you yeah, happy about that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, nice. you know when you just click with someone, it makes things much easier. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it is cool. It's, it's refreshing in terms of, yeah, so many of us, 32 girls, 
you get sick of someone, you go see someone else, yeah. and you go see someone else. It's like, oh, what, what does this person do today? Yeah. Um, but lots of excitement building, and they're definitely keeping things fresh in camp because it is a long time. We have club night every week. You know, we have all these scheduled fun activities. We get to go out for dinner and, and just stuff like that to connect us because eight weeks, we yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are on. The whole country is on. We cannot wait. Uh, and we're all supporting you here uh, on SENZ as well. Um, yeah, so the last couple of weeks in camp, I see that there's been different people come in. Yesterday, uh, 660 surprised you or your management surprised you with 660. <laughs> Dan Carter's obviously been in this environment as well. Can you tell us about about these things? Because it's pretty amazing. I know, some superstars. We're pretty lucky in this environment. We also had Tyke at our jersey presentation the other day. Yes, too. I saw that. Cool. That is amazing. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, and nah, it's so special, and that's what I love about being on tour and being in this team. You know, we get these amazing surprises. We get to meet some pretty cool people. Um, meet you first through these circles, so that's always a nice one too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's cool. And um, throughout this whole campaign, I'm sure there's more surprises to come. So uh, with Legends of the Game coming in, like we had Renee Holmes on last week and she was telling us that Ben Smith is her mentor, which is like, wow, DC's obviously coming in to help some of the kickers. Who are some of the other people? Who Who's helping um, the middies? Who's helping the back three? Who do you go to? Yeah, I don't actually have one at the moment. I haven't really been um, talking to anyone about it. Um, it would be pretty cool, but I know that... Um, Yep, like you said, um, with whoever Ren has, and Con- I think Conrad Smith might be amazing. with one of the other girls. Um, Bodie, I think, has been wow. in talks with some. So, it's, yeah, bloody legends. And that, that's the cool thing about having Smithy in the room, and I have two, you know, sometimes. It is so, so cool. <laughs> so cool. anything's going to help us as individuals, you know, we're still learning every single day. and. Yeah. You know, if we can get people of that experience and that class to help us and within our uh, within our game, then, yeah, we're only going to get better. Now, I want to go back a few steps because we do love celebrating um, the stories and the journeys of, of each of you that are part of this Black Ferns environment. For you, I mentioned Ruatoki. What, what was your <laughs> upbringing like? When did sport come into the picture? And when did you know it was rugby and sevens for you? Yeah, little Duratuki. I would say it's the best small town in the world. <laughs> I, I I think it's cool. Like, but growing up, didn't have much, but had a lot of support. Had the best fun and friends around. You know, we played a lot of sport growing up, so we're very competitive. Fun. Two old, I'm the youngest of two older brothers and older sister, so they kept me on my toes. And you know, they never gave it to me easy. Um, but I actually wanted to be a silver fern growing up. I played a lot of netball, played touch. Um, at a young age and then it wasn't until I picked up my first rugby ball at 15 where I never looked back after that because it was the best time in my life and to be fair I'm, I must admit that I never know who the Blackburns were at that stage yeah. um, I was completely new my brothers played rugby their whole life but I still didn't really know much about women's rugby so I literally played for fun with my friends and because it was our first year of our school um, entering into the competition I'm so real grateful that, you know, we had the support back then with coaches and staff and when I realised it could be a dream to represent our country and be paid professionals one day, I had to take the opportunity. Like, it's so amazing. Um, but yeah, growing up in Duratuki, it was real cool, real small town. Um, no shops back there, a couple of schools, lots of marae, whole lot of horses and cows and sheep. Um, I think 30 minutes was our closest shop. So, you know, pretty humbling experience, but pretty cool at the same time too because you know we were those kids out in the backyard and yeah. the farm 
kind of was was a rugby ball, netball, netball, whatever we could find sticks. <laughs> it could be our man, imaginary ball sometimes. Um, but it, it definitely helped me shape who I am today. So, yeah, real grateful for that. It sounds like a, a pretty incredible upbringing. Um, in terms of your brothers, your older brothers, uh, who were never <laughs> easy on you, are they finally giving you the credit you deserve and letting you know that you are indeed the favourite child? Absolutely not, Kirsch. You know how it goes. No matter how good or bad I play, there's always work on some. Um, they're my biggest supporters at heart, and I know they're secretly proud behind my back, but they're also my harshest critics, so <laughs> we're just going to try to stay on my game and be better. Yeah. Um, I must admit, though, my dad, is he used to be quite harsh on me, and the older he's got, he's getting more softer, and he actually congratulates me and has more positive things to say, so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and when you talk about your upbringing, where you've come from, um, can you believe now that you are a professional rugby player, a professional contracted player, that you are about to go out, represent New Zealand in our first ever home Women's World Cup, this team that has the most incredible legacy? Can you believe where you're at, where, where women's rugby is at? No, never in a million dreams would I have thought this is where we would be today. Like you said, home World Cup, just being paid, to be fair, to play the sport that we just love. And sometimes I have to sit back and reflect on, man, we're just so lucky to travel the world to get these opportunities. And not everyone does get selected, so I always feel for those who aren't quite, who don't quite make it. Um, it obviously motivates me and makes me want to work harder because we are here, we are representing our friends, our family, our country, um, but, but we're also representing them too because everyone has their own journeys. Um, everyone, you know, has their challenges and obstacles that they face along the way. Um, so it is sometimes cool to just sit down and take it all in um, because what a what a scene yeah. to be playing at home cup here at home. Not just that, but when you think about, I mean, the tickets, you will be aware of it. Over 30,000 tickets mm-hmm. have been sold. I think they're saying they're just 5,000 off and they've got a week to sell those tickets. It sounds like Eden Park is going to sell out for that triple header, for that opener. What will that mean to you ladies? That That will be a world record crowd. For a women's match, yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about. I feel like it's cool to celebrate how far the game has come. Yeah, um, obviously a lot more people on board and and wanting to actually watch us. I know they've been trying to market this for like a couple of years now to try and get as many people to Eden Park this weekend as they can. And mm. you now having another star reader over there performing <laughs> for us, um, you know, and and to celebrate this occasion. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Like after playing Japan last weekend with, and then seeing running out um, afterwards to see the All Blacks play and seeing how packed the stadium was then, it just gave me all the warm fuzzies. So if we can be on that field with those same people in the crowd or, or whoever it is they're supporting, then I think it's going to be pretty epic. And I know it's only going to make us better and stronger as a team to, to put, a, put a good performance out there. You're giving me warm fuzzies, Stace. Uh, we will let you get back to your nap, but just quickly before we do, have you got a message for Aotearoa, for everyone out there listening? We're five days from the start of the World Cup and the next six weeks, or seven weeks, I should say, are going to be absolutely amazing. Have you got a message? I've always got a message, Chris, and my message is for everyone who doesn't have tickets, get them now. They're yeah. cheapest chips from $10 as um, a child, $20. Adults come down, it's going to be an amazing display of women's rugby. We're going to showcase something like there's never been before. And for those who obviously can't make it, might be down south and can't quite get flights up, make sure you tune in 
Um, obviously, they're broadcast on Spark Sport, so we want to get as many people watching these women's games as possible because World Cup here in, in New Zealand, it's going to be an absolute um, crack of a, of a campaign. That was so beautiful. Stace, thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming on our program. We cannot wait to watch you carve up over the next couple of months. It is going to be amazing, entertaining. Uh, we just love it. All the very best. Cool. Thanks, Chris. We can't wait to do everyone proud. This is your Black Ferns history lesson. 2017 was a wonderful year. That was the year the British and Irish Lions toured New Zealand. And about to blow the whistle, and he does so. It's a draw, and it's a drawn series. Moonga, the racehorse, was born. Moonga, very elegant. She really have to lift as Moonga put the head in front. Very elegant, trying to fight back. There's a swarm coming late, cascading right down the outside, but Moonga's won it. And it was the last Women's Rugby World Cup. That was the eighth edition, hosted by Ireland, with matches being played in Dublin and Belfast. And after the event, World Rugby decided no matter what tournament was being played, men or women, it would be regarded as the World Cup. So it really was the last Women's Rugby World Cup. The Black Ferns were grouped in Pool A with Canada, Wales and Hong Kong. They cruised past that and then past the USA in the semi-finals and would meet England for a blockbuster grand finale. I'll never forget that final on the 26th of August. We were all in the Kuru Lounge watching on a Sunday morning before catching our flight to Manawatu for the NPC. The Black Ferns that morning put on an absolute clinic at Kingspan Stadium in Belfast to run out champions for the fifth time. England have fought, but they just didn't have enough. But New Zealand are World Cup champions in 2017. Portia Woodman was the top try scorer and point scorer that year. 13 tries she racked up and 65 points in total. New Zealand finished first, gold medalists, world champions. England were second, France third. Let's see if we can repeat the dose in 2022. That was your Black Ferns history lesson for another week. We hope you enjoyed it. This is your Black Ferns history lesson. Every moment of every match, catch the Rugby World Cup live and on demand on Spark Sport. This is the Rugby World Cup preview. Rugby World Cup on Spark Sport. Well, we're so, so lucky on the Black Ferns show today to have our former Black Ferns captain. Uh, she's Black Fern number 188. She's a World Cup winner, uh, Chiefs Manawa, Bay of Plenty Volcanic. She's a wife, uh, she's an incredible mother, and she is a broadcaster as well, an absolute legend. She'll be joining the Spark Sport team for the upcoming World Cup. And you know, it's just five sleeps away. Liz Alder, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Uh, we're so, so, so lucky to have you. How are you? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm good. I mean, obviously, it's been a, a rocky year on the rugby field, but um, I'm at a, re- you know, I'm really good and I'm excited for the World Cup and to get behind the girls. So, yeah. Well, all good. Let's talk about the World Cup then, um, because you get to sink your teeth into this. Obviously, um, you wanted to be out on the field, but you're working through all of that, and you get to be there with Spark Sports. So, tell us first and foremost, what is your role? What sort of, um, what are you going to be doing for Spark and the coverage? 
Yes, yeah, so I'm being brought on um, as expert comments um, or expert, I guess, rugby knowledge, um, adding my value there um, with a couple of um, rugby players, Christy Nasui and Sini as well. So pretty exciting team to be able to join some world-class um, people that have worked in rugby, on played rugby. Um, so, yeah, that will be my role for these upcoming games. And I'm really lucky that I get to... Um, be a part of all the Black Friends matches and a whole number of other games as well. So, yeah, looking forward to it. That is so, so cool. What What are some of the stories that you know? Is there a favourite that you have of, of one of these players that have just this amazing story that maybe people don't know about? I think, like, in the... Obviously, the Black Friends girls are, you know, pretty across a lot of their personal stories. Yeah. You know, Tanya Kolonivali's got an incredible, amazing story and, she, and I think that's been aired um, yeah. as well at the moment through the Waterbug presentation. So um, she's one, um, obviously highlighting some of the, the older players in the team or more experienced players who are playing their last World Cup and have recently announced that. Um, those are some exciting stories as well. And just understanding or just talking about their decades yeah. in the team and where they started and where they are now. So there's so many amazing stories across all the teams, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be so amazing. We can't wait to hear those stories on your coverage as well. Um, when you talk about some of those experienced players, um, and it will be their last hurrah, Kendra Coxedge has obviously um, said this will be her uh, last time. Renee Whitcliffe is another. Um, how do you think those ladies will be feeling going into this tournament, the Home World Cup? Uh, you know, I know them personally, know how they tick, know how they think. So yeah. I know someone like Kendra, you know, who's been on top of the game for a long time, will be definitely aiming for really good performances, both individually and as a team. Um, I know her intention; she'll be there to win it, um, and everything that she does will be to aim, will be aiming towards that. Um, Renee Opango, you know, one of my best mates. She's had an up and down year. You know, she's played; she's been in the pack four and then missed out on Laurie O'Reilly. They had an outstanding FPC and managed to play her way back into the team. So there'll be a bit of, um, you know, wanting to go there and, and stamp a mark, but also there'll be a bit of just gratitude for, you know, getting back into that World, World Cup squad. So, yeah, really excited for both of them and just the tribute to them, yeah. you know, to be acknowledged, able to acknowledge what they've achieved in the black jersey being unreal over a decade, yeah. Absolutely. They've added so much to the legacy. Um, so have you as well. You've added so much to this team over the years. When you look at this squad, like this is a seriously competitive Black Fern squad. Um, do you know personally, like when you look at this team, do you think you have an idea of who the starting team is going to be and what are going to be the difficult positions for these coaches as they decide who's going who's gonna to start and who's going to open this tournament? tournament for Aotearoa? Yeah, I mean, you think you know, yeah. and then Matty goes and throws out a team that, you know, is, is a little bit different than the last time. So what you have seen this year is that everyone's getting quality minutes. Yeah. Um, the girls that have been the core group throughout the year have been able to clock up some good minutes under their belt, which has been um, really cool. I think I have an idea of what I think the team will be. Um, I reckon the loose forward trio is probably going to be one of the a hotly contested, yeah. you know, if you if you get to start or even bench in a game in that loose board trio, you'd be pretty pretty happy with yourself because there is some intense competition there. Yeah, the, obviously our three wingers as well. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see which combination they go with, you know, Aish and 
Yeah. She's on top of her game at the moment. Um, Ruby's just growing so much in the 15 and then Portia Woodman scoring, what was it, seven tries last week or a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, who knows? But there's firepower everywhere. Oh, so much firepower, so much star power. It's so exciting to watch this team. Um, when you yeah. talk about the competition and, and who we've got to come, uh, the first few weeks are obviously pool play. We take on Australia this weekend. We've got Wales and Scotland as well. Um, will there be a great challenge against these teams? Um, what sort of challenge will they present for us? And what are those first few weeks of the World Cup like? Are they? Are you just building in those first few weeks or are you going out putting your best team on the park I would imagine that you're starting to run as close to your strongest combination yeah. from the get-go um, you know all these games Japan last or not long ago that would have been your sort of final opportunity I would think um, to get everyone out on the park um, now it's you know it's, it's the real deal it's the big matches um, you want to get your team confident you want to get the combination bang on um, so I would say that first game is going to be as close to the strongest side that Wayne Smith wants to put out there. So we will know in the next few days what the master coach is thinking. Uh, <laughs> we've had the trophy. We've had Nancy, uh, who was obviously named by your team, come into the studio. Have you got any stories about Nancy from 2017? What, what makes this trophy and, and this competition yeah. so special? Yeah, so Nancy Wack was a, a Kiwi um, who was a huge part of World War Two. She was a spy. Um, I think they called her the Little White Mouse. So she was really strong, independent, charismatic woman who infiltrated um, the German army and was able to set a lot of people free. So her story, obviously just Manawahi there in a time that we would not even imagine, was inspiration enough but then we were just able to really bring her character to life in 2017 everything we spoke about our rugby terminology um was all to do with nancy wake and you know there were moments if we faced i just remember moments of adversity during the 2017 world cup Mm -hmm. where our solution would always start with in this situation what would nancy do and that was kind of a, a, I don't go, I guess something that we used to drive us, something that we used to get us out of sticky situations, but also to give us like a level head um, in those situations. So, yeah, we we lived and breathed Nancy Wake for a good five weeks or whatever it was in that World Cup, and then obviously when we were fortunate enough to win that trophy, it was just fitting that. We named the trophy after her, so that's kind of stuck. Wow, that is so, so cool. I never knew the backstory behind that story. So thank you, uh, behind the trophy, I should say. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Before we let you go, Les, because we know you're super, super busy and um, your daughter's probably there as well wanting some mum time. Uh, If we just quickly whip through the games this weekend, let us know your predictions for each of them. South Africa, France, who wins that match? Oh, that dominant France team will win that one. Fiji, England? England, I think Fiji will, you know, will surprise them for a little bit of it, but I think England will be too strong. Australia, New Zealand? Yeah, New Zealand will take it away, I reckon. I think it's going to be like the like the test matching in Christchurch. The girls will be losing for that one. And on Sunday, we've got USA taking on Italy. That'll be a good match. Um, I'm actually Italy. Mm, nice. Japan, Canada? Yeah. Japan, Canada, Canada, I think will be too strong as well. Um, they'll take that one. 
And the final match uh, of the, the weekend, Wales against Scotland. Yeah, now this is probably going to be the match of the round, I think. Um, oh, I'm going to go with the Welsh ladies. We did play them as a pre, pre-game before Indies were last year kicked off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Wales. Awesome. Well, we cannot wait to catch all the coverage with you and the team on Spark Sport. Thank you so much for giving up your time, Liz. We so, so appreciate it, and we'll see you over the next few weeks. Awesome. Thank you so much. Let's go World Cup. Every moment of every match, catch the Rugby World Cup live and on demand on Spark Sport. Well, that's it. That is us, the Blackfern Show, done and dusted for another week. We hope you've enjoyed uh, our interviews, our shows today. Thank you very much to all of our guests for coming on the program today. Thank you so much to Michelle Hooper for making time to bring in the Rugby World Cup trophy, to Liz Alder, to Stacey Flula as well. You ladies are brilliant. So thank you so much for your time. That is us. Enjoy the World Cup action over the next couple of weeks. We will be back in a fortnight's time to do it all again. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.